Let's pray. Lord, would you reveal yourself in in the scriptures? Would you make it clear to us who you are and, and what your message for each of us is today? Oh, be known to us, God, in in your word and in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to focus on the passage from Colossians that was just read. Uh, It's Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. And so you can get your Bible out if you'd like and uh, take notes there and underline and circle things. Please don't do that in the church Bibles. But they're there for you to be able to look at, and, and you can check those out. Uh, the, this is a letter that was written by a man who was once known as Saul of Tarsus. And, and Saul was a Pharisee at the time that Jesus was crucified. In fact, almost certainly he was one of the ones that voted to, to have Jesus turned over to authorities and to plead with Pilate to actually put him to death. He oversaw the killing of many followers of Jesus because he thought they were wrong to follow Jesus. And then he became a follower of Jesus. Uh, Jesus revealed himself to, to Saul. And eventually, after a lot of study and, and a lot of learning and, and hearing from eyewitnesses what had happened, Saul started going out and, and telling the world about Jesus and that Jesus was somebody to follow. And he became known as Paul because of his name uh, to, the, to the Greek people and uh, wrote much of what we call our New Testament. <clears throat> so in this letter, Paul is writing to believers in a city called Colossae and they were they were people who had not witnessed personally what had happened with Jesus. They hadn't seen his miracles. They hadn't followed him and heard his voice. They hadn't seen the crucifixion. They hadn't seen the resurrection. So in a lot of ways, they were very much like us. But they had heard what had happened. And the, Paul was, was the main one who had come to tell them about who Jesus was you know Paul had not only had an encounter with the risen Jesus, Paul was a student of the scriptures, and he went off and he spent years studying the scriptures to see if what had happened is actually was actually borne out by the testimony of what God said would happen, and he came to the conclusion that it was. Uh, in, in one of the scriptures that may have spoken to him, we read this morning out of Jeremiah 23. This is verse 5. For a time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, which Jesus was. And he will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. That may very well have been one of the scriptures that Paul had looked at and studied and seen that it was coming to pass in, in the life of Jesus and in what he had done. Uh, but when Paul writes this letter to this group of people who had not seen with their own eyes, but yet they believed the, the testimony of others, uh, he tells them to follow Jesus 
as king, which is a, a pretty bold thing to do. He tells them, first of all, that they are in the kingdom of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is in charge. When you became a believer, you came into a realm where Jesus is ultimately in charge of what happens. Now, that may or may not have been true before you came to be a believer in Jesus. But certainly, if you're in his kingdom, that is true for you. This is what he wrote. Paul wrote them, he said, for he, and he's talking about God the Father, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and that's where all of us have been at one point in our lives, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now, there's something I want you to to notice in this, that, that the purchase of your freedom is already accomplished. Whether or not you're yet a believer in Jesus, the forgiveness of your sins has already been offered. Whether or not you're a believer in Jesus, everyone... Who will receive Jesus was already loved. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. You were loved before you even heard of him. Uh, You've already been forgiven. There's no way that you can earn your forgiveness by what you do or don't do. And you're already able to experience the freedom that comes from being a follower of Jesus. Now, that's that's something that is a little bit hard for us to understand, but I, I hope this will help. Uh, I used to think that that <coughs> excuse me that we had to earn in in a very small way our salvation in Jesus because we needed to ask for it. But we can't earn it. There's no way that we can earn God's grace. Uh, and, and the difference here. It is that God is not offering you forgiveness if you ask for it. It's already offered. Think about it this way. If, if, if I have forgiveness here, God is not saying, well, if you ask for this and, and earn it by your asking, well, then I'll gladly give it. Right? God doesn't say you have to ask to earn his forgiveness. Are we agreed? Instead, God says, here's my forgiveness. Now, it's not yours until you receive it. What do you have to do to receive it? You have to take it. But it's not you don't earn it. There's nothing that you can do to purchase it. It has been offered to you. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, I want you to know that God already loves you. And that God has already forgiven you of everything that you've ever done because of what Jesus did. But you may not have yet received it. And I just encourage you to welcome that into your life. 
and let it change your life so that you'll find the freedom that comes from being a follower of Jesus. I hope that's kind of clear. Then Paul makes an, an absolutely astounding statement about Jesus. He says, Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, he is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, that's something that, that if you're a Bible reader, you've probably read over that a bunch of times. But think about how astounding this is. Because the language here doesn't just mean that, that, that Jesus in some way looks like God or acts like God, like he's put on a God mask. It's like, hey, everybody, this is what God looks like. That, that word about he's the image of God means that, that he's the, the very substance, the very nature of God. It's not just he looks like it on the outside. It means that's who he is. He is the very essence of God the Father. God the Father is unseen because he's in heaven. You don't. You don't see him right now, do you? But Jesus, you, can, you know, who walked among us, who, who talked to us, who, who did things to us, for us, in our midst. And we, we, we have a number of biographers who wrote about it. And we can find out what he did. By looking at that, you get to see who God is. You want to know, does, who does God care about? Well, look at Jesus. That's who God cares about. Who did Jesus care about? How does, how does God express love? Well, look at Jesus. Right? He is the very substance that you can see, that you can kind of comprehend of an uncomprehendable God who, who you can't see. Because he's God. He reveals who God has always been. He's, that, that God is someone who always comes close. And you don't have to earn him coming close. Did we earn Jesus coming? No. It was God's plan from the very beginning of the foundations of the earth. Wasn't it? He's the God who keeps his promises. He's the God who loves even those who think they are farthest from God. He says, no. Actually, God comes close to you and loves you. He's the one who rebukes people when necessary and calls them into a a deeper and greater holiness and relationship with himself. He's the one that offers healing and hope with no preconditions. Jesus, when he went out and healed... Did he tell people, well, I'll heal you as long as you get right before I do it? No. That's, that's what God's like. Okay? You want to understand God? Look at Jesus. He's the one who equips and empowers. The one who sacrifices himself to do what only he can do. That's who God is. And Paul is sure that Jesus is God. That by watching Jesus, we discover what we couldn't otherwise know. What's important to him. What he cares about. 
And, and it's like as, as Paul writes this out and, and he's thinking about it, it's, it's kind of like Paul just gets all of the, these thoughts that, that just flow one after the other about what does it mean if, if Jesus is God? What does it mean? And, and I, I just imagine this. I don't know if it's true, but it's like Paul just kind of got excited and he just started writing this stuff down. He gets the rush of what it means that God put on skin and walked among us. He, he said this. He, he's like, you know what? It, it, it just it occurs to me, Jesus existed before anything was created. And, and if he's God, he is supreme over all creation. He's not subject to it. He's in charge of it. Because... Through him, God created everything in, in, in the heavenly realms and on earth. I mean, if it exists, it exists because of him, and, and it's through him, and, and he's over everything. Nothing was created apart from Jesus. And there's nothing that is outside uh, of Jesus' realm. That he is over it all. Can you can you sense that kind of awe that that Paul is starting to experience? Then he writes this. He said, "You know what? He made things we can see. Things like caterpillars and and fish and trees and watermelons and pterodactyls and bison. I mean, he made things we can see, but he also made things we can't see." Jesus made thrones. And I'm not talking about he was a carpenter and he would cut wood and put it together so a king could sit on it. That's, no, 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 no. This is much bigger than that. Jesus is the one that created positions of authority. Jesus is the one that created systems of how authority is expressed and carried out. Jesus is the one that created rulers. He put people and angels in charge of things. He's, he's, he's the one that, that made authorities in the unseen world. If there's authority, it's because Jesus gave it authority. He chose kings and leaders, and he continues to choose kings and leaders. Uh, there's, there's only one chapter of the Bible that was written by a pagan. Do you know where it is? It's in Daniel. It's Daniel chapter 4. And it was, uh, it, Daniel chapter 4 was written by a pagan king called Nebuchadnezzar. A lot of you have heard of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar got to write a chapter... In the Jewish scriptures, because he came to understand something about God. And the theme of Daniel chapter 4 that Nebuchadnezzar wrote is, The Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and he gives them to whoever he pleases. He did that for Nebuchadnezzar. He took Nebuchadnezzar out of power. He put Nebuchadnezzar back in power because only God deals with 
authority structures. So what does that mean for you and me? That, that means that uh, anybody who has authority, if you've got something you don't like about that, go to God first. Because God is the one who has created those authority structures and put people in those places. It's, it's all there to serve him. God is the one who created a city council and the school board and vestry positions. God is the one who works in those authority structures. And if you have a problem with any of them, guess who you go to? God. And you better start asking God what's going on with that. Why, oh God, is that person in that position? And it may be because we have to learn a lesson. Or it may be because that's the best way to bring about our our freedom and our dignity as image bearers of the Most High. God may have one of a thousand reasons why that person is in that authority. But he's the one behind it. And we can't forget that. That's why God allowed a pagan to write a chapter of the scriptures. Because this pagan had learned that lesson. And it's a lesson we all need to know, isn't it? Paul goes on and says, everything was created through him and everything was created for Jesus. It's, it's, all, it's all there to serve him. All of our power structures are there to serve him. Uh, uh, suns and galaxies and, and, and uh, ants and wildebeests are there to reveal things and, and they're there for Jesus. You are here for him. Every senator, every king, every class representative is there for Jesus, whether they realize it or not. Paul goes on. It says, Jesus existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. Whoa, wait a second. You mean creation would fall apart if he wasn't actively holding it together? Yeah. It would, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, it's an amazing realization. You know, without, without outside forces that do otherwise, systems fall apart. A body without life in it to hold it together, what does it do? It decays and it falls apart. Everything in nature will fall apart if something's not holding it together. And guess who's holding it together? Guess why you have been held together this morning? It's because Jesus decided, you know what? I'm going to hold you together. And you, and, and you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold all of you together today. How about that? Sound like a good deal? Everything is held together by him. Paul keeps on. He says, Christ, this Messiah, he's also the head of the church. 
which is his body. In, in other words, Jesus somehow is, is uh, made manifest and you get to know him and, and work is done on his behalf better through the church. I mean, that's kind of hard to understand. It, it doesn't seem like it should be that way. I mean, look at us. Look at us. We're full of hypocrites here. We're full of sinners here. We're full of mistakers. We're, we're full of folks who don't understand and folks that blunder off and, and folks, I mean, we're a mess. But you know what? Jesus is present in us, through us, with us in a way that's not true at all places around the world. He has chosen the church, this group, this ragtag group of followers to manifest himself that the world may come to know him. Whoa. He is in charge of the church. Rectors aren't. Vestries aren't. Congregations aren't. He is the one ultimately that builds the church. He's the one that causes it calls it to repentance. He's the one that blesses it. He's, whether you like it or not, whether you like what's going on in the church or not, he is the one to go and talk to about the church because it's his. And he's in charge. And we should all find that both uplifting and humbling at the same time. Paul says, He's the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. He was the first one to do it, never to die again. He won't be the last, but he is first in everything. Nobody outranks Jesus. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in the Messiah. Jesus is packed Full of the Godhead. There is no room for anything else. He is large and in charge. For in God. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. What is not included in everything? Nothing. Is, everything means everything. All of creation is now able to be restored and is being restored, being brought back, being transformed again into a place that will never see decay again. God made peace in everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We do not realize what happened on that Good Friday like we should. There is nothing that is able to keep you from the love of God the Father, the forgiveness offered in Christ, the new life that comes (coughs) through the Spirit when you receive Him. There's nothing that can keep you from that that has not already been subject and come under Jesus' rule and reign because he is king over all, including you.
including you. Jesus is king over you and your life. Now, this wasn't part of our reading today, but Paul went on to tell the Colossians how this applied to them. And I'm just going to share it because guess what? It applies to you. This includes you. You who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Your brokenness kept you from knowing God. Before you came in, into the kingdom of his son. You were separated Some of you may be in here, you're like, you know what, I've never known Jesus. Like, okay, well, you are separated, but guess what? You can receive this. You can take this in. Because now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Yes, the Messiah did really die. As a result, he has brought you, you, And you, and all of you, into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And no, you couldn't accomplish that on your own if you had a million years and a million dollars. That's only something he does for you. You have been reconciled to him. But, and this is for you, you must continue to believe this. Stand firm in it, because it's true. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. It it can seem like it gets stale. Don't let it get stale. It can seem like it's old hat. Don't let it get old hat. It can seem like, yeah, 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 you know. Don't let it get, yeah, 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 you know. You've been reconciled with God through Jesus. You were made holy and blameless through Jesus. If that doesn't ring true, if you don't feel, if you don't consider yourself to be holy and blameless, guess what? We're about to have a confession when, in, at the end of our prayers. Confess that you can start receiving and taking in what he's done for you. You cannot earn your standing with God, but you can stand firm in what he's given you and do it. Jesus is king. May we do everything that we can to honor him that way. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you are the Lord of lords. You are the King of kings. You are above all things. You created them. They're here for you. We're here for you. There's nothing in all of creation that you do not reign over. Oh, Lord, let us come to you with all of the things that we think are out of place. They may be, so we need to come to you about it. Oh, God, help us to walk in that which you have freely given us. 
to accept it and receive it and be people that let the rest of the world know how great you are, how good you are, and that you are king over all. For your glory we pray. Amen.